Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Kelsey Tamburino. House Republicans released their plan to address the debt ceiling fight on Wednesday, and energy policy is a big focus of their plan. The proposal would raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion or suspend it until March 31, 2024, whichever comes first. It would also repeal several green energy tax incentives established under Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act and enact the GOP's energy bill that passed the House last month. Ultimately, the GOP's plan likely won't have enough support to move through the divided Congress, let alone the White House. But it could become the basis for serious energy negotiations. So today, Politico's Josh Siegel on why the House GOP debt ceiling plan matters for energy. It's Friday, April 21st. So this is a 300-page-plus bill that really amounts to a legislative wish list of measures that don't have a future in the Senate, but that House Republicans say should form the basis of starting negotiations with Democrats over policy changes that Republicans say should happen if they're going to agree to lift the debt ceiling. And what was surprising is the policy measures that we thought would be in here were ones that potentially might have had some level of bipartisan interest. That was what I had heard from Republican leadership, from certain Republicans early in the week. So the idea was to include portions of H.R. 1, which is their marquee energy bill they passed last month. And they did end up including H.R. 1 in total. So they didn't even, for example, pick just the permitting components, which might have more bipartisan appeal, but also included measures to promote oil and gas production, export, leasing mandates, minerals, mining, so elements that Democrats aren't interested in. And then what was really surprising was they also essentially repeal the energy portions of the Inflation Reduction Act, the Clean Energy Tax Incentives. And that was something that Republican leadership and conversations I've had, it's not something they they really wanted to do. Conservatives in the House Freedom Caucus were very eager to do this. And they They had to be able to get in a place where they can get 218 votes, meaning all the Republicans would vote for this because no Democrat will. And so they ended up kind of throwing the whole gauntlet out. And Kelsey, you're really the expert on the IRA clean energy tax credits, which, again, were kind of the surprising element and that Republicans are looking to repeal these. So what exactly is the GOP looking to do on that component? And how does this kind of like represent a shift of where Republicans have been positioned on these credits before because they did seem to support some of those credits individually in the past, right? Yeah. So the proposal essentially would eliminate all of the new IRA tax credits that would go to green energy sources and revert kind of back to what existed prior to the IRA passing. So for example, it would put the investment tax credit that the solar industry relies on back to the levels and in the phase down that it had previously been before the IRA extended it long term and for a period of 10 years and expanded it. It also eliminated all of these bonus credits and adders that are in the IRA for 
incentivizing prevailing wage, apprenticeship, and putting projects in areas where they're lower income or that might have been dependent on fossil fuels. And as you noted, it also would, just in the way that it kind of did a wholesale removal of repeal or modification of these tax credits, would remove a lot of these tax credits that we know Republicans are supportive of when it comes to 45Q, which is the carbon sequestration tax credit, as well as newer tax credits for zero emissions, nuclear and clean hydrogen, which are areas that we know that the Republican Party has been supportive of and sees potential there. But I think more interestingly, earlier in the day, the House Ways and Means Committee held a hearing where they talked about what they called corporate green handouts to China, were really focused for the first time, I think, where they laid this case of how they're thinking about these tax credits in the context of the debt ceiling and fiscal responsibility. A lot of the hearing focused on how a lot of these tax credits are going to flow to large corporations and the benefits are going to go to big companies and not rural America. And it also talked a lot about how a line that we actually heard on Thursday, again, repeated by Senator Joe Manchin, that these tax credits are going to go beyond what the Congressional Budget Office initially said when Democrats proposed this law and that this is not fiscally responsible, which I think is a new line that we're hearing from Republicans. We heard Speaker McCarthy echo that. And I think at this hearing on Wednesday, we really saw Republicans lay the groundwork there on that argument. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward and framing it from that perspective. But Josh, I know you've also focused on this. Are all Republicans in support of the McCarthy plan, especially as we've stated before, some Republicans supported elements of the IRA and some red districts have reaped its economic boon. Yeah, no, Republicans are mostly falling in line. So you have some Republicans like a John Curtis, he's the chair of the Conservative Climate Caucus, who he released a statement said, I supported many of these tax credits individually, but this was passed in a partisan manner, that being the IRA. This is a good faith effort, quote, to begin reigning in reckless spending. I mean, you're hearing what some Republicans say, you know, I don't love every part of this, but we need to get this negotiation started with the Senate and with Biden, who to this point have said that they don't want to negotiate. They should, the debt ceiling should be lifted without any conditions, but they feel like they're, from a Republican perspective, we're forcing the Democrats' hand here. And McCarthy is eyeing to pass this plan in the House next week, but the bill has no future in the Senate and Biden has already rejected this plan. So why put it forward? Could parts of this bill be the basis of a serious energy negotiation at all? Yeah, so I was over in the Senate on Thursday before Congress left town and Senate Republicans were really backing up what McCarthy did here, even again, though some of these senators have told us that they do like some of these tax credits before and express hesitancy around repealing wholesale. But again, they feel like it makes sense for McCarthy to to put Democrats, you know, as Senator Kevin Kramer of, of North Dakota put it, to bait Democrats into a negotiation. So they're basically saying that the president is derelict in his duties, as Senator John Barrasso put it, by not saying he's going to engage on a discussion on on how to actually address the debt and deal with spending cuts in the context of the debt ceiling. But as far as some of this becoming the basis for an energy negotiation, that remains to be seen. But Democrats are pretty dismissive still of even like if you took just the permitting part of this proposal from House Republicans. Again, there's some interest from Senate Democrats, but there's a lot of skepticism that you could do it with the debt ceiling because this is a high stakes move. It's been lifted without condition during the Trump administration. They just don't feel like that's the proper venue to deal with it. Now, we'll see. There's some hearings planned on permitting in the Senate now from both the Energy and Natural Resources Committee and Joe Manchin. And 
Tom Carper of EPW. So they're getting the ball moving kind of on a separate plane, and maybe that does find a way to merge at some point. But right now, that seems like a long shot. Also on Thursday, President Joe Biden pledged $1 billion to the United Nations Green Climate Fund, a major international climate aid group. The move seeks to help U.S. credibility after former President Donald Trump and congressional Republicans had zeroed out U.S. contributions for the program. The financial injection to the Green Climate Fund brings the U.S. contribution to a total of $2 billion, which is still short of former President Barack Obama's initial $3 billion promise. However, it signals that the Biden administration is responding to calls from developing nations to deliver more money to help them cope with the effects of the changing climate. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Josh Siegel is the usual host of the podcast. Norma Malaykel is the podcast producer. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. I'm Kelsey Tamburino, and we'll see you back on Monday.